Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 71 of Wrestle Life Radio. I'm here with my little brother Micah Sin and my cousin Kyle Pauly. I am Matt Sin and we're here to tell you about this week in wrestling. But before we do that, we have to do it. I'm going to steal Chris's gimmick. This day in wrestling history! Felt good. I ain't done that in a while. Thank you. Thank you for those golf claps. I appreciate that. So I went with, so there's a lot of stuff happening today, but I actually went to the one, you know, we usually do like serious stuff, right? This is one of my favorites, and at the same time, one of my least favorites. 12 years ago today, on December the 12th, 2007, an album was released, and on the Billboard 200, it peaked at at number 120, and that was... Jillian Hall's A Jingle with Jillian. And if you remember, she had that gimmick where she couldn't sing, but she thought she could sing. And, uh, yeah, the the album was awful. Huh. I I, I literally didn't know that existed until just now. Yeah. <laughs> you don't I, remember it? I remember no. when it came out. I'm glad I didn't know it existed. You've oh, man. It for me. It's I don't think I remember miserable. that at all. It's miserable. Maybe I'll, I'll put a link down below. We can't play it on the podcast unfortunately but it's just it's it's miserable so yeah we're gonna (laughs) do you know jillian hall got some terrible gimmicks she had that gimmick she had like the the growth on her cheek gimmick like when like the boogeyman ate off like what in the world yeah i was watching wrestling at that time yeah poor jillian hall so we're gonna go over smackdown raw and aew and then at the end kyle's gonna give a brass ring and a future endeavor endeavor combined on all three shows. And if we have time, if we have time, we're going to do a little bit of wrestling trivia. So hopefully we can have a little bit of time to do that. So Kyle's going to start us off with WWE SmackDown. That's right. Uh, this week of SmackDown, the show opened with a recap of the Daniel Bryan and Fiend storyline that had been telling. Obviously, the show ended uh, the week uh, prior to this, where Daniel Bryan was drugged into hell and uh, his hair was ripped out. So uh, Miz TV was actually kicking off the show after this uh, recap. So Miz comes out for Miz TV. Michael Cole uh, does us all a favor and updates us that Daniel Bryan has not been seen or heard from since last week. So we're just going to carry on the show without him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, you no, know. disappointing too. Like my, Carol says, I want to watch SmackDown because I want to see what happened with Daniel Bryan. And I said, Yeah, what? That's cool. And then they just didn't do it. Well, I, I kind of liked it. That, you know, they're selling it a little bit. You know, that he's definitely something's happened to him. Obviously, and we'll see and what. Yeah. Maybe he'll show up at TLC. We're not sure, but so I'm I'm actually on board with this, even though you know. Okay. Uh, basically, Miz comes out. He says Bryan was supposed to be his guest tonight because he cares about his well-being. Uh, despite not liking him, uh, maybe Miz should have checked under the ring. Yeah. <laughs> so That's where we last saw him. Yeah. So Miz is, you know, going on, but then the, he's interrupted by the Firefly Funhouse. It says the Fiend may not be done with him, um, but he may not he may not make it to TLC. Bray Wyatt um, says about Daniel Bryan. Uh, he invites Miz to play with the Fiend. Miz brings up family, which Ramblin' Rabbit interrupts and says, that's the word of the day. And uh, Bray Wyatt says that uh, he used to have a family, but now he wants a new one. And he holds up a picture of Ms. Maurice and his two little kids. And uh, yep, 
This is enough for Miz to get angry. He exits the ring to go find the fiend. Uh, we go to commercial break. We come straight back. Miz is on the phone talking to Maurice, telling her to leave, you know, get the kids and go hide. He said he's on his way home right now. And, uh, you know, he's going to come, kind of come get him because he's, he's worried about what the fiend's going to do to him. So I uh, thought it was a good opening segment. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I've praised the storyline about, you know, last week it was something that carried on throughout the show. Uh, it was the same this week as we'll, you know, find out as we go on this review, but I I'm, I'm kind of liking this. I know how you guys feel about it. it right at that. Basically we had Manny Rose versus Alexa bliss. Uh, this was not a story that continued throughout the show. Obviously, two beautiful women in the ring, so I didn't really mind it. But uh, they start wrestling. Mandy tells Alexa to not touch her face in a wrestling match. Uh, but Mandy's able yeah, to control it. <laughs> How dare her? Cody Rhodes used to do the same thing, too, though. That's true. Uh, he had a broken nose, though. So, But Mandy's just Mandy. Yeah. Uh, basically, Mandy controlled the match early. They did have a pretty neat spot. And it was kind of... Crazy where Mandy was over Alexa and she started ripping out her fake eyelashes. So that was kind of yeah. unique. Uh, my girlfriend was watching this part with me and she said, that really hurts. Yep. So she did confirm that this is a real tactic that Mandy could use here. Uh, Alexa is able to come back though. Obviously Sonya tried to interfere, but Nikki was able to take her out with the crossbody. Alexa Bliss hits a badly timed DDT, which, you know, <laughs> was sloppy. And then hit a Twisted Bliss, which wasn't the best-looking one ever either for the win. This match was kind of sloppy. It wasn't that great. It was pretty quick. But, it you know, Alexa Bliss is back. They wanted to get her a win here, so it makes sense. Drake Maverick is back this week, trying to hit on Dana Brooke again. Elias comes up again, makes fun of him with a song, but Drake slaps him. Uh, and I guess Elias threatened Drake's wife. <laughs> so, it, sure, it's, it happened. <laughs> Uh, so I was thinking this was gonna be done for the night, but apparently not because we went to a commercial and then came back and Drake was in the ring complaining about Elias making fun of his marriage, even though for the last two weeks, he's tried to cheat on his wife on national television. Yeah. What in the world, man? Yeah. So how dare Elias make a sham of my marriage? So Elias comes out. Did you notice Corey Graves was defending him? <laughs> I sure did. And I have it in my notes. Corey Graves says, just because you're on a diet doesn't mean you can't look at the menu. Good advice, Corey Graves. Yeah. The problem with Corey Graves is he looked at the menu and then he ordered a couple things. <laughs> sure did. Uh, so yeah, we'll we're we'll we'll gloss over Corey Graves for the week. Yeah. Uh but basically Elias came out and literally kicked uh Drake Maverick's ass, kicked him in the butt out of the ring. Uh, yeah, it's nothing. So even though they're on, uh, you know, pretty much acknowledging Dana Brooke and Batista have a thing going on. Apparently Dana is with Elias and, you know, infatuated with him, but I will say her, very good friends, her, uh, reaction to his guitar playing was a little bit more human this week. Yes. So that's, you know, improved. So like I said, we have a continued story going on. So after this stupid segment, Miz is backstage again. He's trying to leave with a suitcase to get home to his wife and kids when he's passing a door and he sees that it's lit with a red light. And Lord knows everyone's got, they have heat with this red light. And so Miz, he's like, I'm going to go take care of this thing right now. He goes and kicks the door open. He finds a picture that has Bray Wyatt's face over his face in the family portrait. So he's looking at it, getting all mad. But of course, 
He gets attacked from behind by Bray Wyatt, who hits, hits the sister Ab- Abigail on him and knocks him out. But it wasn't the fiend. It was Bray Wyatt himself that yep. did this. So that was interesting. I we, do want to point out that when I saw Bray Wyatt's picture, all I could think of was Asian Jim from The Office. <laughs> yep. That's all I could think of. Yeah. And it was it was very well done and very supposedly creepy. But all I could think of is, oh, Asian Jim. And then I moved on. Yep. So we actually went to commercial break after this and then came back and Miz was coming to from the sister Abigail. Uh, definitely would have gotten the three count in this situation because he was out for a whole commercial break. Yeah. He's helped his feet by the referee. Then the New Day come out. The Matt Facts on the side says the New Day has a new podcast and Michael Cole plugs it. Uh, Kofi and Biggie then come out and join the commentary booth. They, we have a four-way elimination tag match here with the winners going on to face New Day at TLC. And man, this match was 100% WWE booking because, let me tell you, here's what exactly what happened. <laughs> Grand Metalik comes out. He puts on an awesome show with Ali. Actually, I think he started with Chad Gable first, and they put on a good show. Then Ali gets tagged. They put on an even better show. Who yep. knew Ali and Grand Metalik were so good? So Lucha House Party... They're hitting big dives on everybody. They're going crazy. And then in pure WWE fashion, just as they're getting over with the crowd, they shine and immediately get eliminated by heavy machinery. Yep. (laughs) They were eliminated so quick. We go to commercial, come back. They show the graphic for the match, and Lucha House Party is still on the graphic. (laughs) And they're like, (laughs) well, Lucha House Party is not in this match anymore, but there they are. So then, like I said, pure WWE fashion, because Otis gets a hot tag. He runs wild on the Revival, hits the Caterpillar. He's going crazy. The fans are going crazy. And surprise, surprise, Dash Wilder runs in, comes in, rolls him up, and eliminates Heavy Machinery. <sighs> so <laughs> it's down to Ollie G and the Revival. Ollie G! Ollie G. going to stick. Revival step in. Uh, they step up to the New Day on the outside, but Ollie G throws him over the announce table. We go to another commercial break. We come back and kudos to the graphics team at WWE because now they've got two big X's over Heavy Machinery <laughs> and the Lucha House Party. So they've been eliminated. Shorty D comes in, hits an awesome double German suplex on the Revival and uh, then had a combo German and pr- bridge pin with uh, Ali, but it gets broken up. Ali makes a, a comeback. He's thrown into the timekeeper area. Shorty G gets an ankle lock on the Revival uh, on the inside of the ring, but they're able to counter it. And of course, just as he's starting to shine, he gets hit with a shatter machine and revival get the win here. They uh, cut a post-match promo on the new day. They vow to take the tag, the tag titles back to the old days, not the new day. And uh, yeah, revival wins. So they will face new day at TLC for the tag team titles. Um, it was a fine match. There was some good spots in it. It was entertaining. But like I said, it's just like a WWE thing they love doing nowadays, especially like in Battle Royals and other shows, you know, or other matches like this. They'll let a team shine, get over, and then they just boot them out of the match. Yeah, so almost immediately. So in that sense, I didn't like this match. Uh, it could have been a lot better. And we could have had a new team. Like it's it's Revival New Day again, which, I mean, I'm sure they'll have a great match, but it's nothing new. How many times have we seen it? Exactly. So it's it's just going to be that again. So after the match, uh, we have Kayla backstage with uh, Roman Reigns. He, so he uh, cuts a promo on Corbin. He says uh, he doesn't know why Corbin needs Rude and Ziggler. Says he's 6'6", 
almost six to eight. So he's yeah. What in the world? What human being? <laughs> so he's six seven, I guess. We're gonna depends on the day. Depends yeah. on the day. <laughs> I guess maybe if he's wearing the crown or not depends. Uh, Roman says he will embarrass Corbin at TLC. Then we have Beaker cutting another promo. But wait, no, it's just Sheamus. <laughs> he's you know doing the same old, same old, you know, ragging on SmackDown's roster and just says he's gonna come back and lay waste to everybody. So after the Sheamus promo, we have Lacey Evans versus Nia Jax Light. Lacey Tamina? Evans. No, I thought it was Tamina at first, but it was just some <laughs> girl. But it's she looked like Nia Jax almost. Lacey sold for her a little bit, but barely. One in like less than a minute with the women's right. You know, yep. just a nothing match. But then it's boss time. Sasha Banks comes out. Uh, she tells Lacey to stay in the ring. She uh, brings up Lacey's daughter, which sets off Lacey. Uh, Lacey is definitely the babyface in this uh, promo or in this you know story now. Lacey and Sasha get face to face. Lacey fakes a woman's right to Sasha, and she flinches. She tries to leave the ring, and surprise, surprise, Bailey attacks from behind. Duh! The heels beat her down, and they walk away here. So, yeah, Lacey got beat up in. Uh, She's looking like a dumb baby face now. So welcome to the club. If you ever want a baby face to get angry at you in the WWE, just mention their family. Yeah. I feel like that works for all people though. Just yeah. in general. Yeah. And make sure you, uh, if you, there's two of you, one of you go in the ring and do this. So the other one could just hide and wait for the attack. It yeah. makes, makes sense. It's got a hundred percent guarantee, uh, success rate in the WWE. So after this, we have Roman Reigns versus Dolph Ziggler in the main event of the show. Uh, apparently, Dolph had a match with a cat early in their night uh, based on his tights because they were all ripped to shreds. <laughs> he basically dominated the match early through a commercial break, which was crazy. Uh, Roman yeah. you know, took a beating, basically. Uh, we come back from the commercial break. Roman finally starts to fight back after Dolph yells at him and says, Do something! Which... Uh, me and my girlfriend were both watching this and we both thought he says, you suck it. <laughs> so uh, I was, we had to rewind it and uh, make sure he didn't say that. I mean, he could have. It's WWE. So yeah. suck it is you know pretty commonly used, but he, he yelled at him to do something. So Roman did something. Uh, Dolph did regain the control eventually, um, but Reigns hit him with some clotheslines. They fought to the outside. Corbin comes out on a throne. <laughs> with some servants. So apparently he has, you know, servants now. Uh, we go to another commercial break. We come back. The match is pretty boring. The crowd rallies behind Roman still, despite this. Uh, several near falls, including Roman kicking out of a zigzag, which, you know, is fine. Corbin yeah. then gets on the apron, but Reigns punches him. Reigns then uh, kicks out of a roll-up and hits Dolph with a spear and picks up the win. So Roman wins here. Not a great match. I mean, Roman basically sold the entire match. He had some rally spots. The crowd was kind of into it, but all in all, just kind of a nothing boring match. Uh, but basically, it was just a setup because after the match, Reigns hits a drive-by on Corbin and two of his servants. The rest of them jump Roman and allows Corbin to uh, get in the ring, get the better of Roman. Uh, these henchmen are horrible, by the way. Yeah. They were uh, not good. Uh, then there's a mystery man under the ring that grabs Roman who... It was Daniel Bryan. It could have been, but I'll tell you what. 
I thought it looked like Shane McMahon from the judging from the gray hair he had on his head. And I'm not kidding. Like I, I saw him and I was like, that looks like Shane McMahon. So we'll see if there's anything to that, but it, it definitely did. I hope not. <laughs> Me either, but that's what I saw. So then Roman uh, sends Corbin to the announce table, but Ziggler super kicks him to take him out. They handcuff him to the ring post and they look under the ring after a good flogging. And they, what do they find? Cans of dog food. They get the cans of dog food out, pour it all over Roman Reigns' hand. They're like, oh yeah, the big dog with his dog food. And they're pouring it all over him, rubbing it in his face. And you know what? This big dog thing has been so stupid the last couple of weeks. They've had this yep. stupid giant dog on the screen. They've had this stupid giant dog mascot. It's been so horrible, but I actually like this. No, no, you didn't. I did. And I'm agreeing with Mr. CM Punk. Who yeah. was on actually, a, he did not say he liked it. He said he didn't hate it as much as people thinks he should. Well, it, <laughs> coming after these stupid, like, you know, it's, you know, it, it, it'll kind of make you roll your eyes. But honestly, it's, it's embarrassing. Like, it's, would you like to have dog food? Like, like if somebody had a mascot in the ring making fun of me, I wouldn't care. If somebody had the stupid dog thing on the Titantron, I wouldn't care. But you know what? If you beat me up and tie me to a ring post and poured dog food all over me, and like put it all over my face and try to humiliate me in front of, you know, a national televised audience, I'd be pretty pissed. So okay. it's much more of a more realistic heel thing to do uh, for them. to They should have just started with this. And uh, so I liked it. Uh, I don't really like the story, like I said, because the first part of it is dumb, but as one, you know, in a vacuum, a heel tactic for, you know, Corbin to kind of get on Roman Reigns' bad side I mean, obviously he had a ton of help to do it. So I liked it in that sense. As far as the show goes, though, it did have, you know, like I said, the continuing story of the Fiend, Daniel Bryan with the Miz mixed in thing going on. But it didn't have Daniel Bryan. It definitely wasn't as strong as it was last week. The matches on the show were not that great. Like I said, the main event was boring for the most part. The women's match was nothing. The tag match, which took up a lot of the show, it had entertaining moments, but all in all, like once it got entertaining, they would just take out the popular tag team right away. So I can't say I love the show. It was not as bad to watch like a horrible show, but I can't give it like a B. So if I had to rate this show this week, I'd give it a C plus. Okay. That sounds, sounds about right. I think I'm there with you. Yeah. Let's move on to WWE Monday night. Raw. And it opened with a 20-minute segment that I'm going to talk about for about 30 seconds because I am not going into this. So someone on another very popular podcast said Raw was like a roller coaster this week, which really made me angry because I had this whole roller coaster analogy planned. But you know what? I guess I'm just not going to do it now. But Raw was like a roller coaster. Yes, I'm doing it anyway. And it started out really low. And it started building up. And it was it was rough to get there, man, because it's a wooden coaster. And you get to the top, and you start going back downhill, and you're high speed. And the show is just killing it. It's so good. And at the end of the show, it's where the roller coaster just stops you suddenly. And, like, your chest hits the bar in front of you, and it just feels like so much pain. That's exactly what happened with this week's Monday Night Raw. It opened up with Bobby Lashley and Rusev and Lana. 
where Rusev and Lana were having a divorce on stage. And Lana is the worst actress I have ever seen in my life. You want to talk about overacting? You want to talk about being ridiculous? You want to talk about whining, being annoying? Oh my gosh. Uh, if I was not reviewing this show this week, I would have not seen the, the middle two hours that was really, really good because I would have changed the channel. Because oh my gosh, like I don't I can't I can't express to you how bad her acting in this segment was. Rusev was incredible. Rusev was having fun, he was smiling, and that's what WWE likes to say right now, right? They love to have fun. You know what? You can tell that he's legitimately enjoying himself, which I think is weird because the storyline is stupid, but whatever. If it gets him over, that's fine. Bobby Lashley comes out, he says, you know what? You can have her, and I'll sign this divorce paper on one condition that I get to uh, have a match with Lashley. And uh, it happens. Rusev puts him to the table, which means that Rusev and Lashley are going to have a tables match at TLC because that's how WWE does things. Yeah, and I, I will say, at least they've changed course a bit and made Rusev a better version of this character because obviously he started right. out wanting to save his marriage and all this stuff. But now at least he's a sensible human being. And he's like, no, screw this woman. She's exactly. trying to ruin my life. She wants to be with this, you know, giant Ninja Turtle battle toad man. <laughs> go, go right ahead. Go, go be with him. So at least he's do doing that. And plus he had a uh, Donald Duck t-shirt on this week, which was yeah. fantastic. Which was weird and amazing. And I loved it. Yeah, As much yes. as I hated this story and this segment, especially, I will say like, this is the worst segment I've ever seen on television in my entire life. <laughs> and it's like, it's somehow so good. Yeah, it, I don't know if I've seen worse television in my life in this segment. Um, but no, I, I did like Rusev through the entire thing. Um, I thought that his whole, you know, basically, take her. I don't want her anymore. I like that whole philosophy. That, that's yep. kind of how I would be. It so. also lasted 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah, it was so long. And the downside is Rusev is probably going to get this over because he's awesome. And the fans yep. are getting behind him. And now Vince is going to keep doing this kind of stuff. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. So we come back from break. Charlie Caruso is talking to Kevin Owens. And she says, do you know why you were attacked by the Authors of Pain last week? And he said, well, of course I do. It's because Seth Rollins told them to attack me. He can deny all he wants, but here's the reality. They're doing his dirty work. And, uh, yeah, Owen says that he's not going to listen to Rollins' crap. He knows that Rollins is lying to him, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, I'm actually going to go look for Akam and Rezar right now. He goes walking off, and they show him walking backstage in multiple segments asking where the Authors of Pain are. But, and I believe this one, if not, it was one of the earlier ones. He goes up to Rey Mysterio, and they have a hug. And uh, Rey says, listen, man, I want you to know that I've got your back if you happen to need me. Which is weird, because he did not help him last week. But Kevin Owens says, you know what? I don't want to drag you into this, Rey. This is my fight. And uh, Rey says, well, i tell you what. Why don't you let my friend help you? And hands Kevin Owens Rey's pipe that he attacked Brock Lesnar with. Kevin Owens thanks him. And walks off. Because it worked so well for Ray. It sure did. It did. Matt Hardy versus Drew McIntyre was next. This really, I was really torn with this. Because, I hate to say this, I love Matt Hardy. This was really a jobber match. But it's kind of the, it's the kind of jobber match that you want to see. Matt Hardy comes out first, gets a huge pop. Drew McIntyre comes out and uh, basically insults Matt Hardy's family. Because, you know, we're four for four now, I guess. And uh, Matt's like, you can't insult my family. Beats the snot out of Drew McIntyre. Drew fights back, controls the match, hits a huge Claymore at the end, gets the win. What happened should have happened. It was 
I mean, if you're going to have a jobber match, this is the way to do it. Yep. Yeah, I will say one thing about WWE is yeah. the bully always wins. Have you noticed that? It always appears that way to me. You know, you make Not fun always, of somebody's but yeah, quite often. Yeah. You make fun of somebody's family, and then you just beat them. Brock Lesnar, Drew McIntyre, you the know, fiend. the fiend. It goes on. And uh, but I'm know, sure Lacey won't be beating Bailey. So yeah. be a star. It's all to get heat. <laughs> so they show a recap of Charlotte's handicap loss last week to the Kabuki Warriors, and uh, we see footage from supposedly earlier today. Uh, where Becky and, and Charlotte are backstage. And Charlotte's like, you know what, Becky? I don't like you. She, no, it, was, it was a weird segment. Like, it, humans don't talk like this. But she said, you know what, Becky? I don't like you, but I don't... I think the exact word she said was, I don't like Asuka and Kyrie Sane even more. <laughs> All right. And she asked <laughs> Becky if she also... If she wants to be Becky Two Belts once again. And Becky said that she had wanted nothing to do with Charlotte and she'd rather wrestle them both herself. And Charlotte's like, you're going to wrestle them both yourself? And Becky's like, yeah. And I thought, you just did it last week. What an like, idea. What, what? Uh, anyway, it was dumb. We go to commercial, we come back. Kevin Owens is still looking for AOP. And he asks some employees where they are. And they're like, we don't know. He goes to Mojo Raleigh. And Mojo's like, I think he's over there. And he points one way. And it's like, maybe he's over there. And points a different way. Then he's like, actually, he went, or they went this way. And he points, like, he crosses his arms and points in two different directions. And Kevin Owens smacks Mojo Raleigh so hard that my face still hurts. I mean, he knocked the snot out of this poor guy. He knocked the face paint off of him. He sure did. And he said, stupid idiot, and walks off. I'm like, perfect. That was great. The Viking Raiders come out, and I go, oh, no. Please tell me we're not going to have another jobber match. Because tag team champions have been doing nothing but having jobber matches. And they said, hey, how about we have an open challenge? And the Street Profits come out. And this was a very interesting match, very entertaining. It was solid. It would have been ten times better in NXT, but whatever. Uh, Viking Experience got a clean win, but the opening was awesome. Because I, I legitimately thought that the Street Profits were about to win the titles. I really did. In those first three minutes, they controlled everything. They beat up Roe. I don't know his Viking name. Eric, I think. They, they beat him up. He's really has never been, you know, beaten bad, that badly that early. They knocked the big one, Hanson, I think his Viking name is Ivar, out of the ring. And uh, I thought they were I thought they were going to pin him. They did not. After it was over, they uh, they shook hands. And then Seth Rollins' music hits. I thought, why is this Joker coming out and ruining this moment? And the four of them apparently also thought that because when Seth Rollins got in the ring, he said, hey, listen, guys. And I have all the respect in the world for the four of you, but I got something to say. You're welcome to stay if you want. And they walked away from him because Seth Rollins is a huge dork. And I also want to say, why in the world is he pointed out to be a locker room leader? Like, what has he done other than just being there longer and winning winning titles, I guess? Like, I don't understand why they're pushing that in storyline. In real life, fine. In storyline, then. Makes, well, the, makes no the locker room leader thing doesn't even make sense anyway. Like, I mean, I've said this before. I just hate it because they're trying right. to mix real life with story. But it, the, the object of wrestling is to, to suspend your disbelief. And if these guys are wrestlers and competitors, they're not like they're not a team. Like they're not an right. NBA team who has a locker room leader that needs to lead a team as a unit. They're individuals who wrestle each other for, you know, glory and titles and all the money, all this stuff. So why does a locker room need a leader? You don't right. see somebody going on a UFC show and say, 
hey, I'm the locker room leader around here. I'm going to make sure all these fighters are in shape so they could beat me up. Like, no, it doesn't work like that. Like, They'd get the their whole idea exactly. of the locker room leader makes zero sense in a competitive sport like wrestling. Like a single person compete. I mean, you have tag teams, but I mean, they aren't leading locker rooms either. Like, it's, I, I hate it. I, like, yeah. it makes no sense. And to somebody who doesn't know what that even means, like, don't they don't know what the boys are or what, like, right. just the casual person watching it. They don't know and they don't care. So, it, it just, I hate it. I wish they'd stop doing it. It doesn't make any sense. It's dumb. It's really stupid. So, Seth Rollins says, I'm not waiting any longer. What I'm going to do is I'm going to call the AOP. Kevin Owens says, I'm a liar and I won't let that stand. I'm going to show that I'm telling the truth and I want AOP out here right now. And I'm going to destroy them both. And then Kevin Owens music hits and he gets in the ring with a steel pipe and he's like, look, Seth, I know you're only calling them out because they're not here. If they were here, I would have found them right now. And Seth's like, Kevin, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what I can do to prove it to you. Like, I, I, I want to be on your side. Let me help you. And Kevin's like, no, I know that, you know, when are they going to get here? I know the three of you are just going to beat me up. And Seth's like, no, man, of course not. And then they get interrupted by Akam and Rezar's truck pulling up, you know, on the Titantron. And I'm like, this is a weird thing to show on the Titantron, but whatever. Convenient camera. Exactly. And then they get out and uh, Seth's like, you know what, Kev? I've tried, but I'm going to do the best thing I know what to do. And I'm going to leave you to yourself. And uh, Seth Rollins leaves. So we go to commercial. We come back, and uh, uh, Owens basically says, "You know, I'm going to stand here in the ring until the two of you get out here." And uh, he said, "I want you to come, preferably one at a time, because he's hilarious and smart." And whose music hits? But Kevin Owens' former best friend, SmackDown superstar Sami Zayn. And Sami Zayn says, I know I'm on SmackDown, but I have a manager's license. And he comes out with Mojo Raleigh. So I guess now he's managing Mojo Raleigh. I don't know. He comes out here and says, you know what? No one knows me. No one knows you better than I do, Kevin. And I want to let you know that you really disrespected. You really disrespected Mojo Raleigh earlier. And he doesn't appreciate that. And I don't. I think you owe him an apology. And Mojo is taking the microphone from... Sammy and says, listen, Kevin, anyone can be tough with a still pipe in their hand. So, like, Sammy's, like, trying to talk Mojo down. He's like, no, no. When he's making that face and, you know, he, he has that look in his eyes, you don't want to taunt him. And Mojo kind of pushes him away and starts to square up to Kevin. He said, so you – and Kevin says, do you think anyone with a still pipe in his hand is tough? Let's see. He throws a still pipe. Mojo Raleigh catches it to immediately get stunned by Kevin Owens. And uh, Sammy books it out of the ring. Because he is smart. So let me get this straight. Sami Zayn, SmackDown superstar, shows yes. up on Raw. Yes. Claims that now he has a manager's license. Yes. So he can go. It allows him to go from show to show. Not only that, he says, I have a manager's license, which apparently you have to apply for and get somehow. But then he yes. kind of says, oh, I'm not even. We all know I'm not really a manager or something like that. Like yep. he even blows that off. Yep. Not only does he do all this, go through all this trouble to become a manager on Raw, but the first thing he does is he gets to Monday Night Raw. And he, he doesn't partner <laughs> up with a guy like Shinsuke, Shinsuke Nakamura, who is at least has a storied career and has a yep. title around his waist. Somebody with you know accolades and trophies. He doesn't go for 
you know, superstar, you know, in the making is somebody like, I don't know, like Buddy Murphy. Ricochet or Buddy Murphy or, you know, just like one of these, he goes with Mojo Raleigh. Yep. The guy who hasn't even been on TV other than chasing the 24 seven title. Yep. Who has done nothing in the past year who just got slapped by Kevin Owens in the back, like a punk. Yep. Like he didn't, he wasn't there with him in the back when Kevin Owens slapped him. He joined him post slap. Yep. What? Yep. (laughs) It's so (laughs) stupid. It was so dumb. It makes zero sense on so many levels. I mean, I'm guessing they're just wanting to push Mojo Raleigh. But I mean, this is a hell of a way to start his push. <laughs> Not the way to do it. <laughs> to get slapped and then stunned it. by Kevin Owens. So uh, things are not looking up for Mojo Raleigh, and things are definitely not looking up for Sami Zayn. Yes, silly, Ugh, stupid. So speaking of good things, Alistair Black versus Akira Tozawa. This match was incredible. Please go watch it. There was a part where Tozawa uh, did. I, if I remember right, it was a suicide dive to the outside of the ring, and Alistair caught him with a knee. And when he did the Black Mask to finish it off with Alistair Black 1, I thought he killed Akira Tozawa. I'm pretty sure that Akira Tozawa's head is somewhere in the crowd right now because the dude kicked it off. I mean, it looked awesome. Really great. Backstage with Charlie Caruso. I will say uh, I I do uh, regret that they didn't have a uh, little vignette or something before this match where Tozawa went and knocked on his door and went, Ha! <laughs> and that's how they set up this match. <laughs> that would have been great and terrible at the same time, and I would have loved it. That would have been fantastic. Oh, man. So, uh, <laughs> we go backstage. Charlie Caruso is there with Humberto Carrillo and is giving a little interview with Dimples. And Andrade comes up, and they are yelling each other with the top of their lungs in Spanish. No one has any idea what they're saying if they don't speak Spanish. Charlie obviously is confused. And Zelina Vega comes up and tries to break it up. And they yell at each other in Spanish, go their separate ways. And Zelina Vega goes, what? Tonight? So you can all guess what happened. (laughs) We go and we see that Liv Morgan's having a makeover. And she's coming soon to Raw. So I guess we're going to call her Livalina. Morgalina. Sure. Whatever. (laughs) Andrade versus Humberto Carrillo was awesome. Um, I'm going. I'm running a little long, so I'm not going to go into too much detail. But the match was really, really good, even though the finish was kind of iffy. Zelina Vega got up on the apron to try to distract Humberto, which she was successful. But uh, Andrade tried to attack him from behind. He moved, and he leveled Zelina and knocked her to the ground, only to get rolled up in a victory roll by Humberto. And I don't really, you know, I'm I'm tired of roll ups, and in WWE especially. But this. In a vacuum, this really worked. Like it, it was a roll up that worked for me. It was. It wasn't. You know, just a, a super quick pin. It was a cool looking victory roll. Um, Humberto and Andrade are both protected with this, which I liked in this situation. And after the match, Selena Vega and Andrade were arguing. So I think they might be teasing they're going to break up, which would suck. But it's well, I was going to say. I mean, just quickly, I didn't like this for two reasons. For that very reason, that they're teasing a breakup between these two, which yeah, don't I, don't, like that. I don't support that at all. And then also, Umberto, it's fine that he gets a win, but Andrade was kind of building up some momentum as a heel. And I understand he's a heel and probably needs to lose to a babyface, but I mean, 
they had their chance with Umberto. He came out and like, you know, he he got through for some big stars, but then lost to AJ Styles and they made just made him a geek. He became, yeah. you know, part of the Rey Mysterio and others who attacked right. last week. So I mean, don't try to push him now. Like it that's just what I was thinking when I heard about this. It's just like really now, like you had your shot. And yeah, he's just another guy. So I don't think this really helped either one of them. Like you pointed out, it's just a roll up. So it's not even like he had a decisive win here. So I wasn't a fan of the result. It was a good match, I think, but I think giving Humberto Carrillo 25 minutes in the Royal Rumble will do wonders for him. Him and Ricochet are both going to get it. Watch. And then they'll get eliminated instantly because it's what WWE does. <laughs> um, we see Rey Mysterio backstage. He gets a promo and says the U.S. title means everything to him. And he's going to do everything in his power to prove that he's worthy of being called Rey Mysterio which means Mysterious King, I believe, in Spanish. I know Ray is, is King, and I'm assuming Mysterio is Mysterious. Um, we see Kevin Owens. He's backstage. He's looking for AOP. Um, and he's like, we saw their van over there. And so he walks off. Their Buddy turtle Murphy van. Zack Ryder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Buddy Murphy versus Zack Ryder is next. Buddy Murphy's amazing. Zack Ryder, love you, Zack. Not, not on the same caliber. Um, or obviously not, you know, booked woo, that way. Woo, presented woo. That he knows it. Yeah. Buddy Murphy gets a win. It was really good. I did forget to mention there was a short Aleister Black promo where he was back back in his room again, and uh, he's going to pick a fight with Buddy Murphy. Here we go, and all three of us are going to talk about this. So we're gonna we're gonna go into a little more detail. Kevin Owens is backstage, and he finds AOP's van, and he's pissed. So he takes the pipe, and he smashes it. He's trying to see if they're in the van. They are not there. He smashes the back and opens the back door, and he sees someone sitting there, and he kind of stops, and he's about to reach for them, only for Akam and Rezar to attack him and beat him down. And after they've got him good and beaten, they smash his face into the door, and it looked great. And then they did, and it was very, almost like a cinematic type thing. It was almost like it was in a movie. And after they've got Kevin on the ground, someone turns their chair with their head down. His hands are taped up. He's got a hood on. And I knew that it was Seth Rollins. For a split second, I'm like, this could be a swerve. But it wasn't. Seth Rollins removes the hood and lifts his head. He stands up out of the van and says, I'm sorry it had to come to this, Kev, but it had to be done. Kev starts to stand up, only to get curb stomped into the concrete. And we go to commercial. Yeah. So I'm going to agree with a Mr. Phil Brooks. Uh, he, I think he actually said this on the WWE backstage when he was talking about he the did. Roman Reigns segment. But he said the, dev, the, the devil's in the details. Yep. And that's obviously, you know, I'm constantly nitpicking things. So it's definitely something that I live by. Why is there a chair in the van? Like it's right. literally, it was little, literally like a Ninja Turtle van. They like it's yep. souped up, but just, I mean, that's a little detail I can get over, but yeah, Seth has been here all night. He's, you know, told He's told Owens that he's not, you know, he's not a part of AOP. He's not a part of this. Owens has called him a liar, but he's like, all right, we're going to get this guy. Then he doesn't believe me. He, he knows he's going to reveal my secret. We got to do something. Quick, Aka Razor, give me my hoodie. 
<laughs> and he goes and climbs the van and sits in there. Like it, if you think about it outside of the sin, I mean, obviously they did it for effect of like, we're going to do this reveal and all this stuff, which is so WWE of them to do. And I understand that, but it just is when you sit down and think about it, it's just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and you could say that about a lot of things in wrestling. I get like AEW with the whole lights thing of like, it, what are they, you know, is somebody running up and telling them to cut off the lights so we can like run in and do a surprise. Like I get that. Like yeah. it's, there's, it's wrestling. So that's going to happen. But I don't know. Other than that, still, I hated this because it just blew it all up. I, I don't know how they're going to follow up with this. They're obviously going to do something different, but why couldn't they tease us for longer in some different ways? Obviously, they wanted hey, Seth three Rollins. Three weeks is long-term booking in the WWE. <sighs> Barely. Th- I mean, Seth, I mean, the t- last two weeks has just been the same thing of him saying, no, it's not me. AOP does their thing and that's it. Like if, if they couldn't think of anything else, then that's their problem. But just to, to go ahead and reveal him, for no, like just because Owen says no, like whatever. Like, I thought it was so uncreative of them to do. I mean, no surprise, but I just didn't like. Like, it wasn't shocking to me. Like, it was just kind of like, okay, sure, Seth Rollins is heel now, great, whatever. Like, it wasn't a cool thing. I don't even think it was necessarily the right thing. Even though Rollins is getting booed, he could have become a heel another way. Like, he didn't have to join AOP. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just not. A fan of it, it like it's it's nothing to me. Like it just, I'm not excited about it at all. So, yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I don't have a whole lot invested in this storyline. This was like the first full episode of Raw I've watched in quite a while, to be honest with you. Um, I I liked Kevin Owens through this. I thought that it was good that they didn't book him as a total doofus babyface. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. definitely something they've been doing a lot lately is booking their dumb babyfaces. But it, yeah, Kevin Owens has been a smart babyface. He he called it from the start, which doesn't happen. Yeah, I thought yeah. that and was pretty. For Kevin Owens because he was pretty dumb against Shane McMahon several times, but right, yeah, he's actually yeah. that that story was bad. But uh, I thought it was pretty good through this. Basically, Seth Rollins' reveal was just Sean Spears' entrance. I don't know if you noticed that he's sitting on a chair. He yeah, unloaded the hoodie. <laughs> he's he's the chairman of the AOP, I guess. Yeah, he's the yeah. chairman of the WWE, the locker room. He's just leader. missing the contacts. Yeah, I, I I don't really have any strong feelings either way. Um, I'm glad that Seth Rollins is a heel because I think he plays a better heel. Um, he's going to get booed anyway, so he may as well be a heel, right? So right. that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's just okay. so uncreative. Like it just lacks imagination. It's just it yeah, met it my expectations. <laughs> yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, it sure there does. Okay, so before I I talk about this, we're going to talk about the next segment too. So Rollins comes out and he's cutting a promo, and he says what? Are you surprised? Listen, when all when none of you believed me and said that I sent the AOP to attack Kevin Owens, I didn't. I was telling you the truth. When Kevin Owens didn't believe me, I was telling him the truth. But you know what? What what do I have to do to make you happy? I took the universal title from Brock Lesnar not once, but twice to bring it home to WWE Raw. And what do you do? You boo me. You know what? If you're going to boo me, I'm going to fight back. I'm sick of getting yelled at. I'm sick of getting spit on. I told you the truth, and the truth was not good enough. 
I'm going to tell you something else that's the truth. Kevin Owens couldn't lace my boots. Of course, this gets a lot of booze. And he says, from now on, I'm not going to be alone. I'm going to be standing with the AOP. Aikam and Razor come out, stand beside him. He leaves and they follow quickly behind him. And we see Kevin Owens is being loaded onto a stretcher into an ambulance. Now, everyone knows Seth Rollins is not my favorite wrestler. Not because he's bad in the ring, he's very good in the ring, but because he's booked like a dork. And in real life, he's a dork because he does not know how to use Twitter. Please listen to Mr. Phil Brooks and shut it down. But now he can be a giant dork on Twitter because he's the bad guy. It's kind of like WWE protecting him. This was the best promo I've seen Seth Rollins cut in a long, long time. It was from the heart. You can tell that this legitimately bothers him. He hates not being cheered. He despises it. And it was so, the fans were so quick to turn on him, partially of his own doing, because he's terrible at Twitter, but partially because of the WWE, they do not know how to book a cool baby face anymore. When he was mocking Brock Lesnar like a five-year-old, when he was terrified of The Fiend, even though he's one of the biggest faces, if not the biggest face in the company, I liked it because I hate Seth Rollins. But if I was a Seth Rollins fan, I'd be like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? Stand up to the guy. I love this promo, and I'm glad Seth Rollins turns heel. And I'm not going to tell you that I'm, I'm going to have some love affair with Seth Rollins. I really doubt it's going to happen. But I feel like he is a much better heel than he is a face, and this is where he needs to be. Am I wrong? So, like I said, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I thought this was a good promo. I thought, I mean, it had some truth to it. And I'm not even going to say that his motivation is wrong. I think for him to turn heel, yes, this makes complete sense, which doesn't happen very often in WWE anymore. But like I said, his whole joining the AOP, why? Why? I mean, why not, you know, why not have AOP run roughshod on the raw roster and tease that Seth Rollins has something to do with it? Maybe he is innocent. Maybe he's an innocent guy. Uh, I mean, maybe they were afraid that he'd make him a little bit more sympathetic, but I mean, are they really going to be sympathetic for Seth Rollins when he's talking on Twitter like this? He and maybe he could have a you know, obviously they're trying to book Kevin as a uh, you know smart babyface, but maybe they do get booked in a tag match against Kevin's will or something like that. Or maybe you know Seth tries to say like, "Hey man, you need my help. You know, I've proved myself or whatever." And then he just maybe he leaves Owen's side and doesn't side with AOP, but just lets him get beat up. Or maybe he helps him beat him up, but then he doesn't like. I'm fine with him being a heel and being motivated by this to be a heel. I think it's the right thing to do. But why does he have to be with AOP? It's just to it's just to put him with AOP and why and what reason did they have to want to side with him? Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll make more sense out of this. I mean, they could say like, hey, maybe he was thinking, you know, all these guys are horrible, and AOP comes to him and says, you know, we agree with you. We're better than this. Let us join up with you. Or, I don't know, something. Maybe, but yeah, I, I thought this was lacking in creativity. It's And it was done really fast to just you know put him as a heel, not even before the you know first pay-per-view to kind of tease it. Like he's just heel now. So not a, not a fan necessarily of the way they did it. Uh, him being a heel is fine. 
So whatever it happened. What do you think, Micah? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it happened. That's kind of my whole thing about it. I mean, yeah, I mean, there wasn't any really real build up to it. It's just like, oh, well, he's heel now and you're going to take it and you're going to like it because that's how WWE does things. So, okay, cool. We move on to the two-on-one handicap match with the Kabuki Warriors versus Becky Lynch. And the tag team champions can't get a clean one win over Becky Lynch like they did for Charlotte. So just randomly for no reason, Asuka's like, screw it, grabs a chair and beats up Becky Lynch. Do you know why? Because TLC is coming up and she needs to attack her with a chair. Why not use a green mist and get caught and then disqualify them? Yep, makes no sense. <laughs> and then the result in disqualification. Yep. So the OC and AJ's backstage and uh, they basically say... Uh, the, the OC is the greatest tag team in the world. They'll be winning the tag team title soon. Viking Raiders, watch out. But my name's AJ Styles, and tonight I am winning the title back from Rey Mysterio as long as Randy Orton doesn't get involved. Randy Orton, don't stick your nose in our business. The NWO is announced for the Hall of Fame, uh, and if I missed it, Batista was also announced for the Hall of Fame. Charlotte Flair's in the trainer's room with Becky Lynch, and uh, Becky's getting iced up. And Charlotte says, ah, see you, uh... See, so you did just fine against Asuka and Kyrie Sane there. And uh, they have a little bit of a banter. Charlotte leaves, and they get attacked. She gets attacked by Asuka and Kyrie Sane because why not? This was so clumsy. And I don't think it did Becky Lynch any favors because she looked like a dork. It did not. She who yep. just got beat up, and Charlotte had to come to her aid. And then Charlotte walks down the hall like a dope and gets beat up. So uh, I don't think it did either Real one stupid. of them any favors. Yeah. Real dumb. Eric Rowan beats up a jobber, which I usually would just skip, but the beginning of this match was incredible. The jobber steals Eric Rowan's like little pet cage, runs up the ramp, drops it at the front. Eric Rowan's following him, and he runs around through the crowd, and uh, the jobber runs around through the crowd, gets in the ring, and tells the ref to count out Eric Rowan. Eric's like checking on the little pet thing because he can see, you know, down through the middle, and there's a hole, I guess. I don't know. And he realizes he's getting counted out. He comes up. He does the claw to the jobber four different times, and uh, the jobber, they call the match. I don't know if they called it against Eric Rowan and disqualified him, or they called it in Eric Rowan's favor. I have no idea. Yeah, they said uh, something about it was a ref stoppage, so I think that would be in Eric yeah, Rowan's favor. It was favor. the hell in the cell ending, basically. Yeah. Um, I, think I wish they would raise his hand. So. Yeah. Because I thought it was the, uh, the the very famous WWE disqualifying for kicking too much because yeah, they'll do no that where you're beating the opponent up so much, they'll disqualify you for being good. So that's what I thought happened. If he won, then that's great. Um, but they didn't make it very clear. I mean, what do they expect when they book Eric Rowan versus this dweeb? Exactly. Main event time. We've got AJ Styles versus Rey Mysterio. Um, this match was really, really, really great until the end where AJ tried to do the Styles clash onto Rey Mysterio from the second rope. But they he kind of... They kind of fall and fall on the to the uh, to the mat. So AJ just picks him up for a power bomb. Then he does the regular Styles clash on him, and then Randy Orton gets in the ring. AJ turns around, and instead of RKOing him, Randy Orton winks at him and rolls out. AJ turns around and gets defeated by the most dangerous move in professional wrestling: the roll up. Not only, Mysterio wins. Not only did he and, get defeated by the roll up. He got defeated by a fool who went and ripped his pants. Yes. Oh, yeah, Rey Mysterio did rip his pants in this match. And uh, they also, the, the ending was weird 
because before the match even ended, the raw graphics showed. And uh, I'm like, what? Are they not going to finish the match? Ray got a quick roll up. And then you hear the announcer say, and your winner and still the United States click. And then Raw went off the air. Yeah, there was no overrun this week. Nope. No overrun at all. Not at all. Uh, this was such a weird show because it was, some of it was really, really good. I mean, we had Aleister Black and Buddy Murphy in matches. Come on, how great was this? Kevin Owens got highlighted a lot and all of his stuff was great. I disagree with you guys and I enjoyed the Seth Rollins Hill turn. So I, I'm going to give the show a B plus. I actually enjoyed this, this raw except for the very beginning, which was miserable. And, uh, other than the main event, there were some things toward the end, like the, the weird, you know, handicap match and Oscar and Kyrie Sane randomly beating up uh, Charlotte. I think they also had a promo and challenged them to TLC. It's, it was dumb. B plus show though. Pretty solid. Let's move on to AEW dynamite. Micah. All right, let's get into it. Got a lot to say about it. A lot happened this week. Uh, to start off the show, you had John Moxley coming out through the audience, as per usual, to face the resident jobber, Alex Reynolds. Um, the match lasted about five seconds. Uh, John hit Alex with a paradigm shift, and it was over. 12 yep. seconds, because they said it was, was a, uh, <laughs> yeah, they they said it was AEW record. Yeah. I knew he was going to do that, too, because when John Moxley was coming out, they're like, oh, he has the fastest win on record with like a minute and a half. I'm like, well, he's about to destroy it with this guy. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was it was pretty quick match, um, but it will build on to other things. Um, as far as squash matches go, I like this one for two reasons. One, it set up the promo that came ahead with uh, Jericho, and two, something we'll talk about later in the show. Um, after the match, you have Jericho coming out with his inner circle. Uh, the inner circle surrounds the ring as he comes in, and uh, Jericho enters the ring like the crocodile hunter approaching a crocodile, terrified of Moxley, obviously. Yes. Um, I loved both of their body languages through this whole segment. I thought it was great. It was really good. Um, it, it's it's amazing what these two guys can do without even speaking. You know, John yep. Moxley through the whole promo didn't say anything, but you know what's going Not through his head his, the entire time. Uh, I thought that was great. Um, obviously, uh, this Jericho is coming to offer Moxley a position in the inner circle. Um, he calls back to the time they had in WWE when Jericho faced Ambrose. And, you know, basically just tries to connect with Moxley a little bit. You can obviously tell through Jericho's demeanor, the reason he's offering this position is because he's afraid of Moxley. He doesn't Correct. want a match with Moxley. He doesn't want him to take the title off him, and he knows he's capable of doing it. If he faces Moxley in a match, he's going to lose. It's, right. it's, it's obvious. So uh, he leaves. He drapes a inner circle shirt on John Moxley's shoulder and uh, left the response for later. Um, I thought this was a good promo. I liked everything about it. And I don't, I don't have anything negative to say about it, so we'll move yeah, on. it was fun. The first match of the night, we have the BBB versus Cody and QT Marshall. Triple B. Triple B. Uh, it Going into this match, you almost expected it to be a handicap match. Right. Um, but really, this was a hot match from the start. It was. QT Marshall got himself over. Yeah, Cody is over as always, but by the end of it, QT was just crazy over. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw it. Um, it was during the commercial break. Uh, people were chanting Cody's partner when QT got tagged in. Really? That's yeah, awesome. They were, they were chanting, chanting uh, his his partner. And then they, by the end of the match, they were actually chanting QT Marshall, which I thought was really cool. Um, I thought it really told a good story. Uh, he got super over after that uh, corkscrew tiger drop he did to the outside, which yeah. looked a little botched, but still awesome somehow. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know how that happened. Either way, QT got some good offense in. Cody obviously was great as always, but uh, the BBB came up with the win in the end after they got a a vertical suplex backstabber combo on QT. They got the pin after the match. QT's basically dead. Cody's sitting outside of the ring, kind of dejected after the loss. Uh, BBB is leaving the the arena, only to be passed on the ramp by Darby Allen. Uh, Darby extends his hand to Cody, raises him up, uh, leaves. Cody raises QT's hand to the audience, gets huge cheers. Um, so I thought that was really great. If you know QT's yeah. story, he had a, a segment on Dark. Um, I don't know. If, I know a lot of people don't watch Dark. Uh, he had a, a like a career-ending injury similar to uh, Daniel Bryan, where he never wow. thought he was going to wrestle again. He he did some indie stuff, but he was close friends with Cody, so he ended up coming in and uh, wrestling with AEW. And it's kind of a jobber, you know. Basically, that's what he is. He's a jobber. Um, right. Now he's the most over jobber in the company, right? In the but, world, uh, yeah, really in the world. Uh, but he, he, I thought he was really good in the match. Uh, after the match uh, on social media, Darby Allen posted uh, uh i guess a challenge to cody saying that he would uh team with him against the bbb only if he would grant him a rematch for his premium previous uh time limit draw he had at fighter fest yeah oh that's great so i guess we're gonna see darby allen and cody versus the bbb which i think will be a fantastic match uh, really yeah. bbb went from being just nobody's nobody cared about him after their their uh premiere i guess debut. yeah their yeah. debut uh, I think they did really good in this match. I think they they did uh, good getting their self over. Uh, they also had a, a promo on social media afterwards where Cody confirmed that uh, he will team with Darby and will do a rematch with Darby. So we're obviously getting that. That'll be great. He also got a little bit emotional with how over uh, QT got by the end of the match, which I think is good. You could tell Cody loves the company. I mean, he loves people yeah. he works with. It's it's good to see some real emotion uh, from from wrestling. And then we have our next segment with MJF coming out with Wardlow uh, for another all-time great promo, as as you'd expect from MJF, in my opinion. He's he's always great. Yeah. Uh, he enters the ring. He calls out one of the sound techs, makes him come into the ring, and demands he kiss his dynamite dozen ring, which we all saw coming. You know, yep. we knew the ring was going to go to MJF, and we knew it would lead to this gimmick of kissing the ring because yeah. that's who MJF is. It's, it's also so what perfect, Cody dude. used to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was his uh, thing in, in ROH, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, he he, uh, he basically told the guy, he's like, you know, since you laughed at me when Cody remarked about my botched crossroads, you have to kiss the ring, blah, blah, blah. So the sound guy kisses the ring, but as he goes to leave, MJF hits him with really another mediocre crossroads. It it didn't look good. He He's not Cody Rhodes. I mean, he didn't he murder Marshall anybody, did it too, and it didn't look great. Yeah, nobody yeah. was murdered though. Like, uh, yeah, Adam he Page. almost killed Adam yeah. Page, but yeah. uh, it's you know it is what it is. Uh, he then goes on to rip Cody from every angle. You know, he went on his teeth, his hair, even his lisp, which got huge heat. Um, yeah, it's great that, but you know, because you know they're friends in real life. It's great that he allows him to really get off the chain and just right tear into him. Tear into him. Yeah, I thought that was really good. Uh, he egged Cody on to fire him. Says he knows he won't because he wants his chance in the ring against him. Uh, in the promo, he even quoted Roddy Roddy Piper. I don't know if you saw that with the uh, Rock and the Machine Gun reference. That's yeah. one of Roddy Piper's. It was uh, that was great. 
he reneged in his previous statement saying that he will never face Cody, but said he would under certain stipulations. However, he will not reveal them in Hicktown, USA. He will wait until he's in Jacksonville for the homecoming show, the show that Matt and I will be at. So that's Whoop. something to look forward to. Um, really, that's looking. So at, he's is, waiting for Hicktown, Florida. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, Hicktown, Florida. <laughs> not Hicktown, Texas. It's okay. different uh, But But after this promo, is there a, a heel with more heat? in the world right now than MJF in WWE, no. any of them. I, I, I mean, Jericho, yeah, he's a great heel, but he doesn't have heat like MJF. People hate MJF. Yep. And it's great. I love to hate him. He's so unlikable, but yet I love his character. But right. Yeah. He's, he's fantastic, especially to be as young as he is. He's going to have a great career ahead of him. Maybe he'll get a little bit better in the ring, but, uh, definitely great on the mic. Yep. And, uh, after this, we have a Dark Order promo. Uh, we see Alex Reynolds, the jobber we saw earlier, facing Moxley. He's watching TV in his hotel room. Uh, the TV's oh, this is so it's, good, it's so good. The TV's playing like a recruitment video. Well, not even it's like a like a basic. No, it's like one of those hotel commercials. Yeah, like a hotel commercial hotel. saying to join yeah. their premium club, the Dark Order, or whatever. Um, yeah. But before, as it goes on, the the guy, the Scientologist guy in the video, which we see previous on the uh, the train, uh, on the previous promo, he he basically calls Alex out directly and says, "Hey, Alex, aren't you tired of being a jobber?" I mean, this is this is reason number two that I loved the first squash match because they oh, tied man. it in so well yep. to this story. You know, it's it's a squash match to start the show, but yet it managed to get two promos about it that I cared about. Yep. And then John Silver, which is the his tag team partner, I think they're called the Beaver Boys or something. Yeah, it's obviously going to go over very well. Uh, but yeah. he comes in, he shakes Alex out of his trance, and that was pretty much in the promo ends. Uh, just a few weeks ago, everybody was complaining about how much they hated the Dark Order. You know, nobody liked them. They didn't yeah. have any any purpose. But we're like, what, three promos deep now? And they're just hugely over. Because these promos so are fantastic. Good. It gives yep. them purpose. Yeah, it yeah. does. I don't know who's doing these promos for AEW, but they need a raise. These are they're all great. Incredible. Um, yeah. I, every promo I've seen, well, almost every promo I've seen from AEW has been great. Uh, barring some of Brandy's, but you know that's just it's not yeah. their fault. Speaking of Brandy's, we'll talk about that a little later. Yeah, we do have another Brandy segment coming up. Uh, yeah. After that, we have uh, don't sound so excited. After that, <laughs> <laughs> after that promo, we had Big Swole versus Emi Sakura. Uh, I know again going to back to AEW Dark this week. Big Swole had a, a long uh, vignette about her and her career. I recommend you watch it if you don't know anything about her. It really put her okay. over. She basically overcame Crohn's disease. She was like thirty minutes away from death. She was told she'd never be able to have children, never be able to do anything athletic, and here she is just being big swole i mean she's got a kid now i don't know if you know this but she's actually married to cedric alexander um in the oh, wwe wow, i didn't know that yeah and they've got a kid together now so she overcame all of that uh and she's out here wrestling for you in front of seven hundred thousand people on on tnt which That's i think awesome. is is great you tell me uh, she overcame cedric alexander's burial <laughs> <laughs> she, amazing yeah, she, she did uh she had to go to a different company for it though yeah, so, yeah. Um, she comes out. She has a actually a pretty good entrance. I think she's got decent music. She's get a getting a good good pop from everybody. Uh, then Emmy comes out, and you know she has the worst intro in AEW. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, all of so wrestling. Bad. It's so bad. Yeah. It like I've I've watched a couple episodes of AEW with people that don't really know it, and they're like, man, that intro is terrible. 
it's sad too because she's a pretty stinking good wrestler. I she, mean, she's really she good. is. She's very talented. She's like Women's Wrestler of the Year in two thousand nine or something like that. Yeah, I don't even think this is the gimmick that's the issue. I think it's the gimmick. I do. The fact they try to make her a heel and the terrible music. If she came out yeah. to We Will Rock You and she was a baby face, it would work. Yeah. yeah. But obviously they can't afford that. But anything no. better than whatever that is. Um, it's an abomination. It's terrible. It's it's the worst. Um, I thought this match was pretty good. It's better than a lot of the women's matches in AEW. I thought Swole showed great charisma through the whole match. The crowd was loving her. Uh, I like the spot where she takes the mic stand from Sakura as she tries to get in in the ring uh, and then breaks down into little James Brown, basically. Uh, yeah. Got Tony to say, I feel good in a very cringy way. <laughs> but uh, It was awful. It, it was pretty bad. Swole, Swole came up with the win after a uh, rolling elbow to Sakura. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but Sakura definitely threw up in the ring during the middle of the match. What? Yeah, she totally did. Like, as for, when I first saw it, I was like, no, nah, she just she just spit a little bit, you know. No, she she vomited in the ring. Uh, it was pretty gross. But too much too much swole for her. Yeah, I don't know what was wrong with her. I don't know if she got like maybe a concussion in the match or maybe I she's sick. I heard uh, that Nick Jackson had the flu. I don't know if she also had the flu. Yeah. Either way, they probably shouldn't be wrestling with the flu, but. That's, yeah. I guess, for them to decide. Uh, Maybe she's sick this... of this gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought the match was pretty good. I, I still don't like Sakura. I like Big Swole. I think they're going to be building her up along with uh, Chris Statlander to be pretty good in the women's division. Okay. Uh, after that, we have Hangman and Kenny versus Kip and Sean Spears. Uh, this is a follow-up to a match on Dark last week where Kenny faced Kip, and uh, it was a very good match. Uh, you should also watch that. Uh, the match I thought had a pretty good story because you know, as you know, Hangman has separated himself a little bit from the elite. Right. Um, as you would expect, this match was very technically sound. You know, you got Kenny Omega, Hangman, Kip, and even Sean Spears. I think has been doing a lot better lately. Yeah, um, he's, I, he's a talented guy. Yeah, he he really is. Uh, you saw some great managerial interference from Penelope Ford. She did the Hurricane Rana on Hangman, uh, which is actually a callback. She did it on a Kenny on dark last week uh just very talented i I think that's very good to have as a a manager i think it's going to put her and kip over um then you had both kenny and kip down for the count the lights go out which as everybody says is overused on aew yeah. Especially I think it worked here though. I think it did work here. The problem is every time the lights go out, everybody's expecting something big. It's a new company. Yeah. They're expecting Marty Scroll. They're expecting CM Punk. They're expecting something big. And you cut and you've got Tully Blanchard tied up on the entrance ramp, a la Looney Tunes. And uh, Joey Janela doing his best cats cosplay, I guess. I don't know what his hair was doing. Uh, of course, that leads to Sean Spears leaving the match, going after Janela. Yep. Kenny takes control with a Snapdragon suplex, V-Trigger. However, as he's running off the rope for the V-Trigger, Hangman puts in a blind tag and does a buckshot lariat onto Kip to steal the pin. I thought Kenny's expression through this whole ordeal was great as well. It's perfect. Kenny yeah. is perfect at playing just the innocent baby face. Like He's trying to see the best in his friend in this. He's like, oh, well, I, I, I guess I missed something. You know, He doesn't understand why this happened. Uh, Hangman's playing a little bit more edgy, I think, towards a possible heel turn. Uh, it's, it's where I'm, I'm thinking it's leading. 
The slow burn, but it's going to happen. Yeah, I think they're going to draw it out, which I think they should. Unlike Seth Rollins, I think this will work better. Um, after the match, they had another social media interview with Kenny. And as he was being interviewed, Hangman apologized for stealing the win. And Kenny basically brushed it off, being a good friend that he is. And he, honestly, he's acting like Hangman never left the elite. He was telling Hangman, you know, there's no weak leak in the elite. Uh, in the elite, you know, we're all part of this. Uh, I, th- I think this is going to go to a good story. Uh, I love Kenny's character so far. I mean, we haven't seen a whole lot of Kenny's character, but just in this match at the end, just just seeing his expressions, I mean, that told a lot about him. If you watch BTE. He's obviously just a, a king baby face, uh, so I think that'll right. that'll be great. He's good at his job. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is. Uh, after that, we had the vignette of Brandy. It was it was something. It it was. Yeah. I will say it's been it's probably better than the previous promos I've seen from Brandy. It was still so weird. Though. It, it was weird. I liked that it was self aware. Uh, she ran down Britt Baker by saying how she's just Adam Cole's girlfriend, basically. She said yep. the same thing I've been saying for weeks, which is, where is Riho? You know, yep. we have this women's champion. We haven't seen her in, what, a month? And we're not going to see her until next year, I think they said? Yeah. What? I wonder if she's wrapping things up in Japan. That's the only thing I can think of. It 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 doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make it, How are you building your women's division? And honestly, you might have so many new viewers, they don't even know who she is. Yeah. She's talking about trying to still recruit Chris Statlander, which is also weird because she's an alien. Yeah. Like, if you're trying to say she's an alien and this is like a cult thing, why? Why Why do you Why do you want an alien in your cult? I don't I don't get it. But, okay. you know, whatever. Uh, we saw the freshly shaved noob of the group that they recruited last week. Yeah. Uh, whatever. And then you cut over and there appears to be like a, a, a new male dude that shaved, but they said we couldn't see it just yet. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Maybe it'll yeah. Maybe it'll pay off. That's kind of all we've been saying you, about these brandy promos. Yeah, but they've been doing some weird stuff though, and they've always had good payoff. So I trust them until they screw something up. But so far, I'm not liking this. Yeah, it's it's weird, and weird's not bad. You know, I don't I don't mind a lot of weird things. I don't mind uh, I don't mind the alien. I don't mind the dinosaur. That's the things I like. But this it's just it's just weird. Uh, okay. Speaking of dinosaurs. Next, we have Luchasaurus versus Sammy Guevara. Yeah. We open up with Chris Jericho and Big Hurt throwing Excalibur and Tony Schiavone out of the announcer's booth to join good old JR. I thought Jericho did a great job on commentary the entire time. He did a good, very good job. I do feel Jake Hager was a little bit too talkative, so maybe <laughs> maybe tone that down a little bit. He literally didn't say one word. He did not say perfect. anything. Uh, actually, on this last Dark episode, Orange Cassidy was on commentary, and uh, they're they're going for each other on the most words uh, per minute. <laughs> uh, this match was I'm, I was very psyched to see this match. I love Sammy Guevara. Luchasaurus is my favorite in AEW currently. Um, it's good to see. I think that he I think Luchasaurus is good now. Uh, I think yeah. from a lot of his previous spots we saw uh, in previous weeks, you could see he was still nursing his injury. It left him a little bit sluggish, but I mean. This match was basically David and Goliath, but David or but Goliath can kick you in the head off the top rope. I mean, yep. that was ridiculous. I mean, the dude what had a torn hamstring or something like four weeks ago. That's insane. Uh, his whole move set is just so much fun. 
I mean, it's like straight out of create a moveset on SmackDown versus Raw. It's yes, it's, great. It's, it's great. Uh, Luchasaurus ended up coming with the win, and uh, as he pinned Sammy, uh, Jericho and Big Hurt run out to his aid, but couldn't get there quite in time. So he got the three count. Started a brawl in the ring where Jungle Boy and Marco join in. Uh, before it's over, Jericho thinks he's run off Jungle Boy, but Jungle Boy has snuck behind him, hits him with the Dragon Rana. Pins him for the three count, which at first I thought was like one of those weird things. Like, why are you pinning him? This isn't a match. But then in slides Marco Stunt, part-time referee, for the three count. <laughs> so now... It was a good visual. It was it was great. I loved this segment. So now you have Jungle Boy, who's facing Jericho next week. Pin him for a three count. Then, of course, you have Jericho chasing them out of the ring through the commentator box in typical Jericho fashion, saying, that didn't count. That doesn't matter. Yep, I, I thought it was great. I love Jericho through this whole thing. I love Jungle Express. I want more of this. I thought it was thought it was great. Uh, after this, we see the announcement for AEW Revolution, the next pay per view. Uh, it's coming out on February 29th in Chicago. It's part of the Chicago. I don't. Know, it's not Comic Con, but it's one of their comic yeah, book conventions. One of the cons, yeah. So I'm sure that'll be a big event. You know, they have a lot of shows in Chicago, but Chicago is usually a pretty hot crowd, so. You can't yeah. really fault them. And plus, it just works out with the, the con and everything. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. I think that will be the precipice of the Moxley-Jericho feud. I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Uh, next, we have the main event, which is a Texas street fight, the Extreme Rules tag team match. Uh, we have the Bucks coming out to their usual money pyro. And mm-hmm. as the pyro hits, they're attacked from behind by Proud and Powerful and Sammy Guevara. Uh, that goes on for a minute. Then Sam, uh, Brandon Cutler comes out to even the odds a little bit. He gets thrown through the stage, I guess it was. He's like the worst cavalry ever. Yeah, he's just like a like a chihuahua you have in your house that attacks the burglars. It just doesn't work. Um, he's thrown. <laughs> he through plays the stage. Dungeons and Dragons, which is even worse. Yeah, what a loser. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> he's he's thrown through the stage the same way that Rock and Roll Express was, the same way that Matt Jackson was. That poor stage guy has just got to be hating Proud and Powerful for having to rebuild that stage every week. So Proud and Powerful has the control at this point. Uh, the tables come out of the ramp. Uh, they try to set, I think it was Nick up on the table. Uh, the Young Bucks take control of the match again, get Ortiz on the table. Nick gets on top of the tunnel, jumps, and puts Ortiz through the table. Uh, they eventually get to the ring. I'm not going to go through the entire match. There's a lot of spots in this match, some of them better than others. But overall, good match. But some notable spots were uh, at one point Nick's in a trash can getting beaten with a baseball sock, for no, yep. for lack of a better word. Uh, then Matt comes out from under the stage with a Dallas Cowboys football helmet on. And like idiots, Santana and Ortiz decide to punch him in the head. Yes. Because that makes sense. Uh, they got It got a huge pop, though, from the Dallas crowd, obviously. Uh, I, that was that was a really cool spot. You don't see something like that a lot. A little later in the match, you saw referee Rick Knox for a second week in a row just get taken out. Uh, this time, it was by an accidental kick to the face by Nick Jackson. Yep. Uh, I think he was going for Ortiz. Ortiz moved, and he just got clocked. I mean, he's dead. I mean, RIP Rick Knox. After this, Matt takes control of the match, ends up getting Ortiz down, and he gets a 10 count out of him, basically with the audience uh, counting for him. But there's no referee, so what do you do? 
the momentum ends up getting swung back to proud and powerful. Uh, we see Aubrey Edwards run out to finish the match. Aubrey gets a strong two count on Matt inside the ring, but Nick pulls her out of the ring right at three. Uh, not typically a face move, but all's fair in Love and War. So it's they also say. legal in this match. Totally legal in this match. Uh, he says he's sorry. She does scold him a little bit for it, as she tends to do. Uh, the match ends up ending with a spike pile driver onto a pile of chairs. There's no way they're kicking out of this. So the Bucks get the three count on Ortiz. Uh, so now the Bucks will go into their first tag team title match against SCU next week. I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure some shenanigans will occur with the inner circle. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure that's going to be a fantastic match. Uh, overall, I enjoyed this show very much. I liked it a lot more than the show two weeks ago. That was probably my least favorite show so far. And then last week's was better, but still not up to standards for AEW, in my opinion. Uh, I think the best part about this show for me was that it flowed so well. Uh, AEW has had issues in the past with, I guess, commercial spots and how they set everything up and, you know, and making everything mesh. But this just seemed like a really good meshing show to me. I didn't have any audio issues. I don't know if anybody else did. Uh, no, none. Yeah, I thought it was that was nice. I thought the show was laid out very well. I thought it kept a good pace through the entire thing. So, honestly, I'm going to give this episode a solid A. Well, that's great. So, between all shows this week, Kyle. Yes. Your brass ring and your future endeavor. So, I'm going to start out this week with the brass ring. Okay. And it's appropriate... For two reasons. One reason because this guy is absolutely killing it. He absolutely deserves it. But also because he just got a ring not too long ago himself. So I'm giving it to Mr. MJF. This guy cut a fantastic promo, as Micah said, on this show. But all in all, he's just been the best heel. I mean, this crowd was ready to kill him after all he said of Cody, who is obviously the biggest babyface, you could argue, in AEW. Uh, and like you said, once he mentioned his, you know, lisp, it was, it just went over the line. These fans hated him. They wanted to kill him, wanted to see him get killed. And I mean, just the perfect heel. And, uh, we talked about a little bit when we did our round table episode, uh, you know, we discussed this a little bit about how talented this kid is and he is a kid. Yeah, tune, in, just, tune into that on Tuesday. Right. So uh, we briefly talked about how, I mean, he's only 23 years old, but, um, I mean, I listen to Wrestling Observer Radio and Dave Meltzer, I mean, pointed out this kid is so much like Roddy Piper. He's like a modern day Roddy Piper. Like it's a little bit of a data reference, but man, he uh, he lives his character. He just he's MJF. He's just uh, and obviously he's a fan of Roddy Piper because he, you know, paid homage to him in this promo. But yep. I mean, even in autograph signing, I, I sent this video to Matt a while back. He was just ragging on the fans while they're sitting here wanting to get autographs from him, calling him fat boy. And just, he's just the greatest heel. I mean, he's, he's done so well lately, but I mean, just this week in a nutshell though, it was a great promo. Like you just, he's a sniveling heel. You want to see him get his kicked by Cody Wardlow, you know, at his side, like it's just a perfect recipe. So I thought he's great. I mean, he's one of my favorite wrestlers that's going on right now. Like he's, he's such a talent and, I think he's he's definitely the biggest heel in AEW. I mean, you could argue, argue Chris Jericho, but I mean, Chris Jericho is almost a, as big a babyface as he's a heel, honestly. Yeah. And the fans really boo him. I mean, he'll get them to boo, but they're. Re- I think they do it more out of respect, and you know, 
but MJF is really, he's really inciting some fans, you know, here. And I think it's great. So he's fantastic. What's not fantastic though, are the recipients. And I say recipients because there's multiple, unfortunately. And I was really close to giving it to Mr. Drake Maverick. Cause my God on SmackDown, uh, like maybe cause it hit me early. Cause you know, SmackDown was the show that I watched this week and right. man, he was such a dweeb coming out the second week in a row and trying to cheat on his beautiful, like gorgeous wife, uh, Miss Renee Mich- Michelle, I believe is her name. Yeah. Trying to cheat on her for Dana Brooke. And I mean, I'm not saying Dana Brooke's ugly, but I mean, he's got Renee Michelle. Why do you want to go after Dana Brooke? And she's obviously trying to get with Batista, but two weeks in a row, you try to you know cheat on your wife. And you just get embarrassed. Literally got his ass kicked by Elias, as I said, almost until I saw Monday Night Raw. And you know what? They had a good match with the Viking Raiders. But they got beat just like any other tag team. And I was like, you know, I didn't want to see them lose here. But whatever. But then they had to go and do this stupid, horrible Oh yeah, abomination of a segment. I forgot about it. Well, it's Sorry, good that you didn't because I'm about to. This <laughs> stupid segment. If you didn't see it, what happened was the recipients of this week's future endeavor are <laughs> not private party, but the street profits. They had a match with Viking Raiders, as I said, lost. But then later on in the show, after they lost, they come on and do a parody of Saturday Night Live's famous Weekend Update. And obviously, it was very bad. they've had ties with Weekend Update with Michael Che and Colin Jost, who I love because I love their brand of comedy. And you know what? They weren't the greatest on WWTV, but it's almost impossible for them to do their brand of comedy on this show and not you know go over the boundaries. But it was such a horrible parody like it just went to show how horrible WWE is in comedy. Like AEW does it flawlessly. They'll have right. Jericho do his uh, lexicon of Le Champion segments. They'll have him do you know the celebrations of Le Champion. They have the, the little bit of the bubbly going on. All this is like done so flawlessly. And I know Jericho is amazing, but they've done other things that's just like hilarious. And it just it just doesn't take much effort. Like. You know, but WWE cannot get it. They try so hard to make things funny. And this segment was the worst of the worst. They're trying to cut jokes. And Weekend Update works because they take silly news stories and turn them into crude jokes or poke fun at them. But here, I don't I don't even want to call them punchlines to jokes. Like it was just stupid commentary. Like it was the worst segment I've said. I hated this way more. Then the divorce segment, like I found things that I found funny about the divorce segment, even though it was really stupid and nobody cared about it, but I was way angrier at this. Like I kind of expected the divorce segment to be bad, but yeah, I was so angry at, cause like I said, I, I'm a little bit of a fan of Che and uh, Jost on SNL and I enjoy their weekend update segments, man, this was such an abomination of comedy. I can't not give them the future endeavor this week. So for losing your match after all this time of being on raw and like they finally get a shot at the tag team champions. They just lose to them. And then to come and cut this horrendous abomination of a comedy 
and I'm using comedy very loosely here. Correct. Best of luck, Street Profits, in your future endeavors, because this is horrible. I, I was so mad after seeing that segment. I'm kind of glad you didn't talk about it, Matt, because I didn't want to really hear about it in a positive manner of any way. I don't know if you would have been positive about it. Probably not. No, but it was miserable, but it was really bad. Oh, God, I hated it. So that wins them. They, they didn't even have to lose the match to win it this week. But, man, that just put the cherry on top. But them just losing to the Viking Raiders and then cutting this stupid promo slash comedy segment. It was just horrible. It was very bad. Air quotes on comedy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, very loosely exactly. use the term comedy here. They tried comedy, but man, did they fail. It gets an F for me. <laughs> yes, that is that was an F minus. That segment, it's pretty bad. So let's do some real quick trivia. And I'm going to go over the trivia that played on WWE Backstage this week. So Kyle, you may have already seen this. Uh, I didn't actually, so... Cheater. Perfect. Okay, so this first question was asked by Renee Young and Book- the, to win Booker T's money, all right? And uh, you're both going to get to answer this. And Paige, CM Punk, and Baron Corbin answered the question. And I want you guys to tell me, after you answer the question, if you think any of these wrestlers got the question wrong, okay? Okay. okay. Question number one. This WWE superstar beat Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania six. And Booker T says, this is way, way too easy. Kyle, who was that superstar? Uh, was it the Ultimate Warrior? Micah, who was that superstar? I'm not saying Kyle's right or wrong. I just I want you to guess as well. It's, I wasn't even alive in WrestleMania six. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna guess Ultimate Warrior, but I'll guess somebody else. Uh, WrestleMania six was it Andre? I don't know. Andre was WrestleMania three. Okay. Who? How many of these professional wrestlers, Paige, CM Punk, and Baron Corbin, who got this right, Kyle? I would say Paige. Paige is the only one to get it right? Yes. Micah. If I, I had to guess one. If I was just guessing one, I'd say Punk. But No, no, no. If you Tell me, who do you think got it right and wrong? Oh. Can we do multiple people or just one? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, then I'd say Punk and uh, April. Or not April. Uh, Paige. Paige? Punk and Paige? What do you say, Micah? I'm going to lock in on just Punk. Okay. Uh, the only one to miss it was CM Punk, who said Sergeant really? Slaughter. And he says, actually, I'm an NWA guy. I was watching Starcade, brother. Ha, ha, ha. Question number two. Micah, you're going to get to ask this one first. Who, wait, it was which Ultimate w- Warrior, right? It was the Ultimate Warrior. Okay. Yes, that is correct. Uh, which WWE Hall of Famer made his debut as the Ringmaster? Oh, Stone Cold. Kyle? Yes, yeah, Stone Cold. Micah, who got it right? Oh, man. Well, obviously, Punk doesn't know early WWE. <laughs> so, uh, I wouldn't say that's early WWE. Yeah, that's uh, man. I would think they would all get that right. That's pretty common knowledge. I'm going to go with all of them. Mike, uh, Kyle. I would say was Renee guessing? She was asking the questions, right? She was asking the question. Okay. No, only Paige, Punk, and Corbin guessed here. Uh, I'd say Paige and Punk. They actually all got it right. You remember CM Punk's a huge Austin fan. He wore the Stone Cold shirt for yeah, this famous right. pipe bomb promo. Right. When I knew Paige was a huge Austin fan, so I knew she would know it too. Yeah. Uh, question number three. 
who was the first man, as far as I know, the only man, to win the WWE title by winning the Royal Rumble, Kyle? Uh, that was Mr. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, wasn't it? Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Micah? I have not a clue. Um, Brock Lesnar. Okay. They're both definitely wrong. <laughs> yeah. Guess again, Kyle? Yeah, because uh, yeah, Duggan won the first one, but it wasn't for the title. It was, uh, uh, I want to say it was the third one. I cannot remember for the life of me, but yeah, it was the only one where the title changed hands, I believe. Wait, are you asking which one's the first, who won the first Rumble or who won the title from a Rumble? Who, won, for the who first was time? the first man to win the WWE title by winning the Royal Rumble? Was it that Big was John Studd? Incorrect. Yeah. I was thinking it was late when that happened, like 2000s. It is The Nature Boy. Okay. Ric Flair. That one was it? Sure was. And huh. Kyle, who, who got that right? Uh, Booker T. And CM Punk. Well, no, Booker T wasn't guessing. Oh, he wasn't guessing. It was well, then he didn't get it right. Um, it was Page Corbin and Punk. Uh, Punk and Page again. I don't have any faith in Corbin. Yeah, <laughs> right, gonna, Micah, what do you say? I'm just gonna say Page. Uh, Page got it. So did CM Punk. Baron Corbin did miss it. Technically, he wrote it down, but then he admitted that he wrote it down after Page gave the answer. <laughs> All right, question number four, and this is the most difficult one. Micah. Who won the world championship title? Or let me say it, let me word this a different way. Which former world champion won the WWE title in 1994 at the age of 45? Mm. I'm trying to think of who was 45 and 94. I can't think mm-hmm. of anyone. Uh, 45 and I don't know. Uh, I'm just going to guess Sergeant Slaughter. I don't know. Okay, Kyle? Was it Mr. Bob Backlund? Holding the title, if I recall correctly, and I'm not looking this up, so I could be wrong, for originally 2,036 days, it was Mr. Bob Backlund. That is correct. Now, Micah, who got this one right? None of them. Kyle? I'd say CM Punk. Not a single one of them. Hmm. Yeah, see, I'm not that dumb. Paige says Harley Race, CM Punk says Ric Flair, and Baron Corbin says, I don't know, I get paid to beat people up. Wow. And they all, they all, they bet their money at the end, and they all bet all their money, and they lost. So we had no winner. Congratulations, WWE. That's a 50 50 book, their trivia show. That's the WWE for you. No winners in the end. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 71 of Wrestle Life Radio. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We really appreciate you. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Wrestle Life Radio and on Twitter at Wrestle Life Pod. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Wrestle Life Matt. You can follow Kyle on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. This Tuesday, we're going to be doing a round table. Kyle and I are going to be doing it with Gerard from the Through the Table podcast. Make sure to give that a listen. And please go show Through the Table podcast some love. They do some really great stuff. They do some New Japan stuff that obviously we don't do. Um, and I'm actually really looking forward to it because Wrestle Kingdom is only a few weeks away. And we totally and had it. Watching we, it. We totally didn't record it before this, uh, despite what I said earlier in the show. It 100% did not happen just before we recorded this one. We do not record episodes out of order. Who does that? Who does that? But seriously, go give them some love, guys. Um, I know that they would appreciate it. And I've listened to a couple of their episodes. They're really good. And I'm really excited to hear about the New Japan stuff because I'm going to be watching Wrestle Kingdom for the first time this year or next year, I guess, since it's in January. 
I'm very excited for that. So again, make sure you give us all a follow. We appreciate you. You know where to listen to us. You're already doing it. Have a wonderful day.